Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers. I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. 1 Thessalonians, beginning with chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul introduces himself here and he says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. You know, in this text, Paul is listing several things that he was thankful for for the Thessalonian believers. You know, oftentimes we think about Thanksgiving, or when we think about Thanksgiving, especially that time of year, we tend to think about taking time off from our busy schedules, being with family and friends, maybe watching some football, and of course the food. You can't have Thanksgiving without food. Can I have an amen? You know, food is something we can all identify with no matter what part of the world we're in. And uh, I've come across a few comical things, observations you could call them about people and food. Uh, Andy Rooney once said, the two biggest sellers in any bookstore are the cookbooks and the diet books. The cookbooks tell you how to prepare the food, and the diet books tell you how not to eat any of it. Orson Welles once said, and I quote, My doctor has advised me to give up those intimate little dinners for four, unless, of course, there are three other people eating with me. A California scientist has computed that the average human being eats 16 times his or her weight in an average year, while a horse eats only eight times its weight. So this all seems to prove that if you want to lose weight, you should eat like a horse. One day a young boy watched his dad finish a heavy meal and afterwards he loosened his belt a few notches. Look, Mom, the boy said, Pop just moved his decimal point over two places. But when you think about what we usually give thanks for, you know, we are thankful for the blessings of God and for the food and things like that and time with family, but... What do we really commonly give thanks for? You know, we say grace at meals, thanking God for our food. We give thanks when we receive material blessings, like when the mortgage we've applied for goes through, or when we first turn the ignition on in a car that we've just purchased. We might sigh a prayer of thanks after a near miss on the highway. We may utter a prayer of sincere and fervent thanks when we recover from a serious illness. We may even offer a brief thanksgiving when we hear that someone we know has recently been saved. But by and large, our thanksgiving seems to be tied to our comfort and material blessings. And the truth is, what we most frequently give thanks for betrays what we value the most. I mean, think about it. If a large percentage of our thanksgiving is for material things and our comfort, it's because we value those things more than anything else. And that is why when we look at Paul's list of things to be thankful for in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
They may startle us. They may even seem alien to us because they don't focus on any of the things we habitually give thanks for. Let me just look at those three things real quickly. He gave thanks for three things for the Thessalonian believers. The first thing that he gave thanks for was their work of faith. Their faith, he tells them in verse 8, had become very famous and widespread. Their faith of this church had actually spread around to other churches and other people in the area. They had heard about the great faith of the Thessalonian church. It was a true and a living faith. And I want to tell you this morning that wherever there is a true faith, it will work. When you have a true faith, it will work. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 18, Yes, a man may say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. When you have true faith, it will work. James even goes on to say that faith without works is dead. My friends, real faith will cause you to act. It will cause you to work. Because here's the thing. You can attend a powerful church service. You can respond to worship and even the sermon. But then if you go home and cheat on your taxes, you can hear a great sermon, but then if you go home and cuss the kids out, you can have a great worship service, but then if you go to work and lie to your boss, your faith is dead because it ain't working for you. And Paul gives thanks for the living faith of the Thessalonians. So Paul is saying, thank God for people who work their faith and whose faith is working. So I want to ask you this morning, is your faith working for you? Are you putting works with your faith or is it simply a religion? Are you simply going through the motions, being more ritualistic than spiritualistic? So he gives thanks for their work of faith. The second thing he gives thanks for is their labor of love. Love is profitable to us in this life and will be perfected in the life to come. Now, why is that? Well, because faith works through love. It shows itself in the exercise of love toward God and even toward our neighbor. Let me remind you what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is likened to it, namely this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandments greater than these. Now that's from Jesus himself. I didn't write that. Jesus himself said that. And so my friends, this is how the world around us knows that God is real when they see our labor of love for each other and even for our enemies. Because Jesus said by this, they'll know you belong to me because you have love one for another. And so Paul said, thank God for loving people and their labor of love. So I want to ask you this morning, are you one of those people whose love is laboring? Do you, you, do you strive to help other people and share the love of Christ with the people around you? Because that's the labor of love the world needs to see. And the third and final thing Paul gives thanks for is their patience of hope. You know, hope is like a soldier's helmet or a sailor's anchor. It is of great help in times of danger. Wherever there is well-grounded hope of eternal life, it will show by the exercise of patience. Let me explain it this way. 
We patiently bear the troubles of this present time and patiently wait for the glory of God to be revealed in us. Because the reason most of the time that we make it through the troubles of this life is knowing that we have a hope beyond this life and it's called heaven. And the reason we have that hope is because of a Savior named Jesus. My friend, faith in Jesus gives you hope that will bring you through any trouble and any trial in this life. Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verses 24 and 25 that we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sows, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. You see, my friends, we're not hoping for something we already see. We're hoping for things that we cannot see by faith. And when you start to believe that all the negative things in your life are out of your control, then you quickly lose hope. And a hopeless person is a dead person. Because hope is what will keep us alive. Hope is what we get saved by. It's what Paul said, that we are saved by hope. My friends, I want to tell you this morning that no matter what Paul, no, no wonder Paul gave thanks to God for the people's hope of patience. And so when you put those three together, you got faith, hope, and love. And Paul gave thanks to those three things because all three are given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you may be listening to me today and thinking, you know what, this has been the worst year of my life. I don't have anything to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. You may have to look really hard, but I want to tell you something. There's always something to be thankful for. Now, I want you to notice that Paul started his letter with Thanksgiving, and he reminds us in the last chapter of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians also about Thanksgiving. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now notice that. We are to give thanks in every situation, from adversity to prosperity. In every situation, we are to be thankful. Why? Because he said this is God's will for us. That means when you don't feel like praising God, praise him anyway. When you don't feel like being thankful, thank him anyway. When you don't feel when the circumstances don't look like it's worth worshiping for, worship anyway. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Job that when Job lost all ten of his children, when he lost all of his flocks, all of his wealth, and all of his health, he lost everything. And his wife said, curse God and die. The Bible says he tore his clothes, put sackcloth on, put dirt on his head, and he laid prostrate on the ground, and he worshipped. I want to tell you something, that real worship, true worship, doesn't happen when everything's going great. True worship happens when everything is falling apart, and you've lost everything, and it seems like there is no hope, and you can't get your kids back, they're in the grave, and you can't get this relationship back because it's gone. That's when real worship steps up and says, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. That is worship. Did anybody come ready to worship God in the middle of your trial give him the best praise you got right now you see that's God's will right there that's God's will give thanks notice Paul did not say you give thanks for every situation he said you give thanks in everything you don't have to be happy for your circumstances but in every situation don't ever stop praising God 
Like the words of the old song says, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. If you can't rejoice about anything else, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Give thanks because you have faith, hope, and love through Jesus Christ. Are there any praisers in the house today? Give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank God for faith, hope, and love and people of faith, hope, and love who are representing Jesus in this world. Now I want to suggest three more reasons that we can be thankful. I'm going to add these onto Paul's list of three. So my first one's going to be number four on the list. And I believe the fourth thing we need to be thankful for is we must be thankful or we'll become bitter. We must be thankful or we will become bitter. The most intense moments of thankfulness are not found in times of plenty, but in times of lack. Think about the pilgrims on that first Thanksgiving. Half their people dead, men without a country, but still there was thanksgiving to God. Their gratitude was not for something, but in someone. It was that same sense of gratitude that led Abraham Lincoln, the former president, to formally establish the first Thanksgiving Day in the middle of the Civil War when the list of casualties seemed to have no end and our very nation was divided. My friends, the greatest time for you to be thankful to God is when things are falling apart, when things are divided, and it looks like there's no way out. That's when you need to give the sacrifice of praise because if you're not thankful, you will become bitter from the circumstances. Perhaps in your own life right now, you're facing intense hardship. You might be wondering, what should I be thankful for? Because if you're not thankful, it will hinder your prayers from being answered. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that's the key, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't just tell God what you want him to do, but go ahead and thank him that he hears you and the answer is on the way because it takes faith to thank God for something that hasn't happened yet. And faith is what pleases God. So bring your prayers and supplications with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And next verse, and the peace of God which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know when the peace comes? When you give God thanks, when everything's falling apart. That's when peace comes. You don't wait for things to start working out, then peace comes. No, the peace will come in the middle of the trial. When you're staring at Jericho's walls and it's saying that there's no way they're going to fall, go ahead and give God praise and thanks by faith, and then the peace will flood your soul, and you know that the walls are going to come down one way or the other whether it's a wall of cancer whether it's a wall of family problems or whatever it is that wall can come down when you mix faith with your prayers so notice we are not to pray with complaining we're to pray, pray with thanksgiving and until you realize that Satan is your enemy and not man and that God is in control of your situation you can't give God a perfect praise until you realize that Satan is our enemy. It is not people. And God is still on the throne. And when you realize that, you know who your enemy is. You know who your God is. You can praise him through anything. That's why Job said in Job 19, verses 25 and 26, 
He said in the middle of his trial, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand on the last days upon the earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. My friend, don't let the things that people do to you make you bitter. Be like Paul and Silas. They whipped them and beat them and threw them in the inner prison. But my friend, they gave God praise because they realized the devil is their enemy, not man. And they forgave those people who beat them and put them there. And they gave God a perfect praise. And God made the jailhouse rock and set everybody free. Even the guilty people. When you start praising God and giving him thanks and don't become bitter but be better and be thankful, God can save your lost loved ones. God's just waiting for you to give him a perfect praise because you know he's in control. So be thankful or else you'll become bitter. The fifth thing, that we need, the reason we need to be thankful is we must be thankful or we'll become discouraged. We must be thankful or we'll become discouraged. No matter how bad your circumstances, you can choose to have an attitude of gratitude. There's always a choice. Again, look back at the, the pilgrims. They willingly shared what they had. During their first three years, all their property was held in common. At one point, they were down to just five kernels of corn per day for food. And still, they divided up those corn kernels equally. And the original group of 50 that survived the first winter shared their limited food with the 60 newcomers who arrived in the spring. And one of their finest moments was in 1623 at the first real Thanksgiving. That small colony hosted over 90 Native Americans for three days. There was eating and drinking. There was wrestling and foot races and gun and arrow shooting competitions. It was the pilgrim's way of saying thanks to God and to the Native Americans who had helped them survive that first, those, that first winter. My friends, I want to tell you this morning, no matter what circumstances you're facing, you have something to be thankful for. How thankful and giving are we? Are we willing because you see, the normal human response when you start losing things is to hold what little you have left tighter. But the pilgrims are willing to share what little they had. And my friends, that's what you do when you realize what God has given to us and how good he's been to us. Instead of being stingy with what you have, you're willing to say, Lord, here is what I have. Because just like the widow with the two mites, she came and put her last bit of money in the offering. And Jesus said, did you see that? Did you see that? She put in more than everybody together. Why? Because she gave everything she had. The other people gave out of their abundance. They could afford it. She couldn't afford it. And Jesus, it got his attention. And he said, she gave what she had. And my friends, when you give what you have to the Lord, uh, we've already taken the offering, so don't worry. I'm not taking another offering, but listen to me. When you give what strength you've got left, when you give what little you've got left, God can multiply it and bless Bless you because little is much when God is in it. And you can find something to be thankful for. Because, you know, we may struggle sometimes in America, but we're still blessed. Last time I checked, there's no waiting lines of people trying to get out of America. They're trying to get in. We are blessed this morning, church. The psalmist David understood blessings. He said in Psalm 150, verse 6, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. My friends, God smiles when we praise and thank him, especially in the middle of our trouble. 
May I remind you the first thing that Noah did after the flood. He came off the ark. He immediately built an altar, made a sacrifice, and gave thanks to God. Now today, we don't offer animal sacrifices, but we offer sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. You know what praise really is? Praise is thanking God for who he is. It's like giving him compliments. When You like it when somebody compliments you and gives you praise, don't you? Well, imagine how God feels when you thank him for who he is. That's praise. And thanksgiving is when you thank him for what he has done. When you thank him for what he's done and go ahead by faith, thank him for what he hasn't done yet, but what he said he would do in his word. If you're sick this morning, go ahead and thank God that by his stripes you are healed. Claim that verse by faith. Hallelujah. Because, friends, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If you have breath in your body, if you're glad to be on top of the ground and the ground on top of you, you ought to be giving praise to God. You need to give him praise right now. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and give praise to God because he's worthy. (laughs) David knew a lot about praise and when you read through the book of Psalms, here's what you'll find. David said that we should praise God in the church and in the world. We should praise him for what he has done and for who he is. We should praise him with musical instruments and with the dance. Oh, slow down, Pastor Doug. You're getting a little Pentecostal on us now. No, that's just biblical. Pentecostal ain't got nothing to do with it. We need to, we need to quit worrying about what people think and get back to the Bible again. The Bible says praise him with the dance. We sang about a while ago. We'll dance in your presence. Dance in your presence. And we all just stood there. We should dance. We should praise God with the dance. You know what we've done? The church has let the world take what's biblical and use it to praise the devil with it. We need to take back what the enemy stole. Let God put a dance in your step again and give God praise. I'm going to be cancer free in Jesus' name. I'm going to be healed of diabetes. I wish somebody who has breath give God praise right now. Hallelujah. It's time we take back what the devil has stolen from the church. If you're discouraged, I dare you to give God a crazy praise because depression will flee when you start praising God because if we don't get thankful, we will get discouraged and the devil knows that and that's why he wants to make your problem bigger, seem bigger than your God. But my friend, we serve a mountain-moving God. There is no mountain that he, won't climb, that he won't climb up coming after you. Hallelujah. And there's no mountain he can't move that's standing in your way. The sixth and final point this morning is this. We must be thankful or we'll grow arrogant and self-centered. We must be thankful. We'll become self-centered and arrogant. You know, every year at this time, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we are bombarded with companies wanting to give them our money because they think that's what Thanksgiving and Christmas are all about. And many of them, are not thankful to God. They're trying to remove him, actually, and take over the holidays for themselves. Many of them are doing that. Every year, the American Family Association has a list called the Naughty or Nice List where they list companies in America, those that promote Christmas and what the real meaning of Christmas is and those who are removing even the very word Christmas. And those who are on the naughty list are companies that are not using the word Christmas 
in their print ads, their broadcast media, their website, nor in their store. You cannot find the word Christmas anywhere on these companies. I'm going to read the list to you. You can find this at AFA.net, American Family Association, AFA.net. You can find the list, the naughty nice list. But here are the companies that are against Christmas. And by the way, the list gets longer every year. Here they are in alphabetical order. Barnes & Noble, Dick's Sporting Goods, Family Dollar, Foot Locker, Gap, Kohl's, Limited Brands, Maurice's, Nordstrom, Office Depot, Office Max, Old Navy, PetSmart, Staples, Steinmart, SuperValue, TJ Maxx, UncommonGoods.com, Victoria's Secret, and Walgreens. Listen to me, church. If you value the true meaning of Christmas, which is the birth of Christ, celebrating the birth of Christ, if you value that, if that means something to you, you will not give a single penny to these stores. Because here's what they're doing. They are being arrogant and money-driven. They don't want to offend anyone by saying the word Christmas, but it's okay to offend the Christians. My friends, I'm not going to support somebody like that. Again, you can find that list at afa.net. Another story you need to be careful of is Target. For the last three years, Target stores have allowed men to use women's restrooms and changing rooms in order to accommodate those who identify as transgender. Those who identify as transgender. That means I can walk into Target and say, I feel like a woman today, and they'll let me walk right into a woman's restroom or the woman's changing room. This is a major problem. I said, this is a major problem. Many men have been arrested at Target stores across this nation for voyeurism. The most recent was a man by the name of Sean Anderson. He was arrested for taking pictures of females undressing after drilling holes in the women's dressing rooms. Target knew the holes were there, but they, and they allowed for peeping toms to look in, yet they still did not stop men from going in. After he was arrested, the police searched Anderson's cell phone and found 56 photos of women undressing, including six little girls. Target has also donated $100,000 to promote the gay lifestyle to school children across this nation. Brothers and sisters, this is what happens when we become selfish and remove God out of his rightful place. Anything goes and anything is accepted. And that's why we have got to come back and start putting God in his rightful place again and be thankful to God again. Because unthankfulness is creeping into churches too. The reason jealousy is running loose in churches is because we're unthankful. We can't even enjoy it when somebody else gets blessed besides us. But may I remind you that we are commanded in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. When one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And when one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That is the church that Jesus is building. That's the church that Jesus wants. A thankful church. One who realizes when God blesses you, it's because he loves you. And I know it's just a matter of time before he blesses me too. So I'm going to rejoice with you. And when I'm suffering, you're going to suffer with me because we got our ba- each other's backs. The early pilgrims in America had the courage to act on their commitments no matter what. Do we? Do we have the courage to act on our commitments no matter what? Sociologist Robert Bella once said, and I quote, we should not underestimate the significance of a small group of people 
who have a new vision of a just and gentle world. The quality of a culture can be changed when 2% of the people have a new vision and act on it. 2%. You know what? Christians make up far more than 2% of this town. Christians make up far more than 2% in America. So I ask you, why don't we have a greater impact on the issues of our nation? Could it be that we lack the courage to act on our commitments? My friends, we cannot become arrogant and self-centered. We cannot afford to become unthankful. We need to think about the greater good of our nation and turn back to God. We need to start thanking God again because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Somebody praise the Lord for he is great and worthy to be praised. Many of our loved ones have passed away this year. And some of you listening to me today may be dreading this Thanksgiving because there's going to be an empty chair at the table. I can identify with how you feel. I've lost some family members this year. But I want to remind you that death is just a door. It's not the end. It's a door that we all walk through. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. They're going to have thanksgiving with Jesus this year. That's the hope that we have. Therefore, we can wait patiently and endure our afflictions here and be thankful to God because we have more to go to heaven for now than we did this time last year. And my friend, the way things are happening in the world today, Jesus is coming soon. The signs are all around us. Hallelujah. Years ago, during a harvest festival in India, an old widow arrived at her church with an extraordinarily large offering of rice, far more than the poor woman could afford. The itinerant pastor of the church did not know the widow well, but he did know that she was very poor, and so he asked her, if she was making the offering in gratitude for some unusual blessing. And she said, yes, my son was sick and I promised a large gift to God if he got better. And the pastor said, so your son recovered. And the widow was quiet for a while and then she spoke up and said, no, he died last week. But I know that he is in God's care and for that I am especially thankful. My friends, Thanksgiving and Christmas may be a time of heartache for you this year. But understand, it's not a permanent separation. It's temporary. You can see them again if you know Jesus. There is hope that we can hope for through Jesus. My favorite verse in the Bible, I'm going to share it with you, and I'm closing with this. It's Romans 8.28 that says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and who are thee called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for everything. And because of that, no matter what situation you're facing, God can bring good out of that situation. And so this Thanksgiving, don't let your heart become bitter. Don't get discouraged. And don't become self-centered or arrogant. Remember your work of faith, your labor of love. Be patient in hope. 
as we wait for our soon coming King. And remember to praise Him in every situation because He is worthy of all praise. This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.